light of infinite. All of life is about the beautiful balance of releasing control and connecting. Because we are tasked to toil for our bread, we find ourselves stuck in a mindset of thinking we are in control of our lives, that the more that we dominate our circumstances, the more in control we are. What we find in the lessons of Shemitah, the year of release, is that the rewards come from the release. Yes, we must work the field, so to speak, but without pause, there is no ultimate pleasure. To demonstrate faith to ourselves and our Creator, we have to pause our compulsion to constantly control. What we see most immediately with Shabbat, especially in the era of many computers in our hands at most moments, is that while we seem to be steering the ship, the ship oftentimes is steering us. When we shift the dynamics and put away our machines, we can reconnect to our purpose, our Creator, and faith itself. It's like a hard reset to wash away the layers of disconnect so that we can once again feel unified with our Source. Just last week we discussed Shabbat as a day of rest for Hashem and for us, and covered Shalosh Regalim, the High Holidays, which the Torah also calls Shabbat, Day of Rest. In this parsha, Bahar, we are taught about Shabbat for the land of Israel. For six years we may sow the field, prune the vineyards, and gather crops, but in the seventh year the land shall have a Sabbath of complete rest. Sabbath for Hashem, you shall not sow your field or prune your vineyard, a complete rest for the land. The seventh year is called the Shemitah year. The year when the land is released. We also learn in this parsha that the Jewish people are commanded when they go into the land of Israel to count seven Sabbaths of years, seven years, seven times. And the days of the seven Sabbaths of years shall be you 49 years. The Torah goes further instructing to sanctify the 50th year and proclaim freedom throughout the land for all of its inhabitants. Rabnatan of Breslov reminds us that after Adam ate from the tree of knowledge, the curse of toiling the land came into play. The mitzvah of Shemitah, the year of release, the sabbatical year, rectifies Adam's sin by ceasing to toil the land. The most beautiful part of Shemitah is that every seven years we are commanded to forgive all debts, to not work the land of Israel by planting or harvesting, and to let all of the produce that grows become hefker, which means ownerless, so that anyone can take and eat from it. This rectifies the sin of Adam, who separated from Hashem by defying his word. By observing Shemitah, we show our connection to Hashem and the mitzvot, which act as a tikkun. Beyond the unification with our Creator is the unification with each other. The notion of all that we have worked for in the land becoming ownerless shows that we all share equally in its benefits, demonstrating that the separations are man-made, and in fact we are all truly united. It's a time when we transcend all economic and social differences, where all beings, including animals and rich and poor alike, have access to the complete harvest. It's a time when the figment of our fractured perceptions and differences between each other fall by the wayside, when we share status, all being infused with godliness and equal standing. Taking this a step further with Yovel, the Jubilee year in the 50th year, the land of Israel again must lie fallow. It may not be worked. And all the land in Israel that was purchased in those 50 years is returned to its original owner, in addition to the cancellation of all debts and the freeing of all slaves. These laws pertain to the land of Israel as it says, Take off your shoes from your feet, for the place upon which you are standing is holy ground. It's no coincidence that we read in this parsha at the same time that we are counting the Sefirah Omer, the 49 days, 7 days for 7 weeks, from Pesach leading to Shavuot, the 50th day which Kabbalistically represents the 50th gates of understanding, Bina. The cycle of 7 is seen throughout our lives, the 2-day festivals, Pesach and Shavuot, Marriage is celebrated and sanctified with Sheva Brachot, seven blessings. Shiva, the mourning period of a loved one, is seven days. Seven days is the count of clean days around Nida, women's menstruation, and of course the sanctification and inauguration of the sanctuary, Shivat Yimei Miluim. 
and the period of purification we undergo around the Beit HaMikdash when we would count from Tameh to Tahor. And related to the time of Sfirat Omer, the splitting of the sea took place seven days after the Exodus, and the giving of the Torah happened seven weeks after Exodus. Seven is a cycle and a space where we can rectify the natural, and in that rectification we are answered with revelations of divinity. As we covered last week with Sfirat Omer, it's a journey in refining the seven emotional attributes outlined in the Ten Sfirot. Chesed, Gvura, Teferet, Netzach, Hod, Yisod, and Malchut. Seven is the DNA, so to speak, of creation, and the seven Sfirot permeate the seven days of creation and are the ways in which Hashem orchestrates existence. We see this in ourselves, created in Hashem's image, as we are composed of the seven attributes that we rectify during Omer. Love, restraint, harmony, ambition, devotion, connection, and receptiveness. Darizal explains that true freedom is the release of consciousness from its constricted state, the ability to approach divine understanding of the world. And both Shemitah and Sphira are opportunities for us to rectify our base nature towards divine understanding. Chazal say, whoever sanctifies himself from below is sanctified from above. And this recurring pattern in the Torah does just that. Six days and years of working in the natural world, a seventh day and year of rest in holiness, and then the multiplication of those seven days or years by another seven, all leading up to the eighth day, the fiftieth day, and the fiftieth year, numbers that represent time beyond nature, the time that Hashem intervenes on another level, connection beyond our limitations of this world. We have a Shabbat in time, the seventh day, in space, the high holidays, and in both time and space, the Shemitah and the Yovel all intended to take all that we put into creation, all the work we do from below, and return it to us in a time of rest and unification with the divine. The eighth day and the fiftieth day and year go beyond even that and hint towards a time where we won't be constricted or held down by this world and its soil. Instead, we'll be completely unified to purpose, oneness, and spirituality. This is referred to as the days of Kulo Shabbat, entirety of Shabbat. Chazal referred to it as the time of Mashiach, when darkness will be fully transformed to light. We won't have to toil for our food. As King David says, let there be an abundance of grain on earth. The Akedah Yitzchak says that Shemitah and Yovel are windows to open blind eyes, which are immersed in the sights of the immediate time. All land becomes ownerless, so a person doesn't become enslaved by his own labor and puts his faith back into Hashem as the ultimate provider. He's reminded this in dramatic ways to be content with keeping enough of his produce to sustain himself and to not allow himself to be overcome by the desire to accumulate wealth. It's an incredible way to be mindful of human nature and the cycle that surrounds and to meditate on the part of us, our neshama, soul that surpasses nature. I love what Judith Shulovich shared on this topic in New York Times Magazine. I often think of something two rabbis said. Rabbi Judah Lau of Prague, best known for his tales of the golem, pointed out that the story of creation was written in such a way that each day, each new creation is seen as a step towards the completion that occurred on the Sabbath. What was creation's climactic culmination? The act of stopping. Why should God have considered it so important to stop? Rabbi Elijah of Vilna put it this way, God stopped to show us that what we create becomes meaningful to us only once we stop creating and start thinking about why we did so. The implication is clear. We could let this world wind us up and set us marching like mechanical dolls that go on and on until they fall over because they don't have a mechanism that allows them to pause. But that would make us less than human. We'd have to remember to stop because we have to stop to remember. 
What we have to realize is that the land can keep giving and we can keep taking, just as we can keep lending and allowing other people to take on debt, even if we see that a person might not be able to pay us back. When that is the case, debts build up across the whole community, the land becomes burdened without any way to release the tension, fear, or greed. Nina Beth Cardin says that Shemitah is a rehearsal of a new way, a time to practice living in a world of enoughness, where each of us is filled and flourishes with enough, where disproportionate inequities would not and could not exist. And when Shemitah is over, we re-enter the other six years, we take a bit of what we learn with us and put it into practice in our everyday life. The lessons of Shemitah and Yovel are timeless. Chinuch teaches that Shemitah is meant to commemorate the renewal of the world by Hashem alone, to teach us to have at Munah and Bitachon, faith and trust in Hashem on the one hand and generosity on the other. We fulfill these mitzvot by releasing our impulse to work the land excessively and control creation. We release ownership and debts to ones in need, shifting our focus and trust in our own work and control and putting faith in the divine will. It's a profound illustration of our faith that after all, everything belongs to the master of it all, Hashem. Release, control, and connect. I jump further into Shemitah and the DNA of creation and the seven spheres that permeate the seven days of creation and the ways in which Hashem orchestrates existence at lightofinfinite.com. Shabbat Shalom.